everybody! Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crypt review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, and today's episode is Season 7, Episode 9, Smoke Rings. And when I say rings, I mean W-R-I-N-G-S, as in wringing your hands or wringing someone's neck. So, let's get into the episode here. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired June 14th, 1996. It was directed by Mandy Fletcher, who also directed episodes from TV's Black Adder 2 and Black Adder the Third. The screenplay is by Lisa Sandoval. It stars, okay, I looked up how to pronounce her name. So it stars Uta Limpa from movies like Bogus, Chris Stanton from TV's M.I. High, Trace Hanley from movies like Richard III, and Daniel Craig, the Daniel Craig, little baby, I mean, he's not a baby here, but he's basically baby Daniel Craig here. I think he's like in his 20s or something here. But Daniel Craig from movies like The Invasion and Skyfall, Gail Honeycutt from movies like The Legend of Hell House and TV's Dallas, Dennis Lawson from TV's Holby City, and he also plays Wedge in the early Star Wars movies, and Paul Freeman from movies like Hot Fuzz, and also, um, he played, for all you 90s kids out there, Paul Freeman played Ivan Ooze in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie from 1995. I don't know, there was a summer when I was a kid, probably 1995, where I would go to my aunt's house with my cousins, and they were really into that movie. And I've probably seen it like 10 times that summer, if not more. So that, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a larger cast. Um, they all have their own little small parts to play, some bigger than others. And it's a, this episode's a little more silly. So I'm going to go ahead here and read the back of the box for Smoke Rings, Season 7, Episode 9. Hey, these product ads really work. Thanks to a gizmo that plants suggestions in people's minds. How does it plant suggestions? We never find out. And that's fine. It's like a 25-minute episode. But at some points, I was like, why is this chip thing working? I don't understand why it's working. There's this chip that makes people want certain products from this advertising company. So it's kind of a different one. And again, like I said, everyone's bringing it in this one. The acting's much better than the previous one. Previous episode report from the grave. So we open up season seven, episode nine, Smoke Rings, of course, with the Crypt Keeper. They're having an opening here that's similar to the movie The Godfather. So you have the Crypt Father, I guess. He's calling a meeting of the five families and he's at the front of this table in this old chair with little skulls on it and he's in a suit and he looks very dapper and he's making all the godfather jokes and everything like that. They're having fun. And then the Crypt Keeper brings in the episode. So Smoke Rings starts out outside. There's like a, a decent opening here because it's a bigger cast so they need like a longer opening to do the credits. And it starts outside this big building, this big like ad executive building, this place called, I think it's Touchstone or something. Yeah. And people are walking around and doing businessy things. And there's like a receptionist area and people sitting in chairs in this building and people are in suits and some are wearing more like just 90s clothes, like relaxed clothes. And the guy that we're following is just, it's a random guy. And he's going in to have a job interview to be like the new lead for this ad campaign. So this scene is just a series of different people pitching their job portfolios on how they can do different advertisements and their purpose and their drive. And they're doing this to the character of Jacqueline and she's played by Uta Limpa. 
she's got a cute like skirt on and you know business lady and she's sitting there looking very bored kind of intrigued but very bored and at this table and or at this coffee table in her office and all these people it's just like a montage of characters giving their best pitch and everything this goes on for a, a little bit and then it cuts to her hearing a pitch from Daniel Craig's character who is playing Barry. And Barry doesn't even wear a suit or anything like that. He's in this leather jacket with this white shirt, white t-shirt, and he's wearing these really light denim jeans that are pulled up really kind of 90s, not super high, but like very 90s kind of greaser throwback to the 60s or whatever look. And I think he does a good job here. The acting here is pretty, all pretty good. It's just some of it, I mean, it's supposed to be over the top and they do a good job with that. It's just some of it's a lot, but he's in here and he's pitching to Jacqueline and he's like, I'll be honest with you, Miss Edwards. I haven't got a portfolio. And even if I did have one, I wouldn't show it to you. Well, it's all crap, isn't it? I bet you, you've been sitting here for hours looking at portfolios filled with inane cack and the people, you wouldn't have them wipe your ass for you, never mind create advertising. Have you ever worked in advertising before? Every bloody day of my life. I meant in an agency. Does it matter? Well, it kind of helps, yeah. Even if that's not what you're looking for. Really? What am I looking for? For yourself? Someone who's got what you've got. Same swagger. Same ass-kicking, rip-the-fucking-walls-down attitude that sets you apart from the rest of the fucking herd. So... You've never worked in an agency before, you've got no portfolio, and the only thing you do have to show for yourself is a set of giant-sized brass balls. What you say your name was. Basically trying to be different than everyone else. And it works. Jacqueline's like, cool, great, I will hire you on. He's like, awesome, sounds good. So then it cuts to right after this, I guess he just starts the day today, or he's at least going to meet everyone. So immediately in his jeans and leather jacket, he walks into um, the beginning of this meeting that they're getting ready to have. So they're meeting with Ellen, and Ellen is one of their investors or whatever for like a product. So they're having a meeting with her about their new advertising campaign. It doesn't really matter what it's for. Uh, again, I think it's toothpaste or something. They do different stuff because later they talk about like lipstick and chocolate and all kinds of stuff. So it's just like they advertise just advertising. And in also comes Dennis Lawson, who plays Frank. And so it's a meeting room of Frank and Jacqueline and Ellen and Barry is there. And Frank's getting ready to do a presentation to Ellen about the new product. And then like on the table too, like, because they always have like snacks and things like that or drinks or whatever in these scenes. So they're having this meeting and it's kind of interesting because they have blue glasses and blue mugs and they drink out of these blue bottles, I guess, with water in it. And so it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I just thought it was interesting that it's all like blue and matching. So Frank is doing this presentation and the pictures that he's showing for the advertisement are kind of nauseating. It's a lot of like blues and pinks and swirly colors and all this stuff. And Barry is appalled. And he's gonna, he really wants to make an impression given that this is his first hour of working and he hasn't even gone through like paperwork or anything like that. He's just at the meeting. And he's like, this is terrible. Frank is appalled. He's like, how dare you? But then Ellen agrees. She's like, you're right. I hate to say it, but it is a bit terrible, <laughs> you know? And this whole time, Jacqueline just keeps looking at Barry, Daniel Craig's character, like, yeah, I like that. I'm so glad I hired him. That's right, he's hot. So Barry's like, I could change this up for you. This right here is going to make people nauseated. So Ellen agrees and Barry's like, cool, I will bring back something 
I think by the next day or something, he was supposed to bring back a new project already. Like this thing moves really fast. So then it cuts to after the meeting and Frank is mad. Dennis Lawson's character. He's in there with Jacqueline at her office, I believe. And they're talking and he's like, I'm mad. I can't believe you didn't, you know, back me up and all this stuff. And he's going to overthrow everything. And she's kind of playing with his hair and pulling at it. And it's starting to imply that like she has some sort of control on him or like they're having some sort of power affair thing. And she's the one in charge. I've never been so embarrassed in my entire life. Frank, relax. I've talked to Ellen. It's going to be all right. All right? How the hell am I going to face her? Well, the fractal... Yeah, sorry, sorry. In the last five years, we've not done badly by her. I can't believe you didn't fire that little shit. I would have done right on the spot. Look, Frank, I'll talk to him, okay? <sighs> and if he ever does that to you again... To me? Bloody hell, Jacqueline. What he did, he did to the company. Not to me. You're right. Absolutely right. And I'll deal with it. Yeah. Now... You still want to come by later on tonight? And during all this, Barry is hiding around the side of in this corridor and like listening and watching them. So he's on to what's going on between them. And then Frank leaves. But the door's not open, so it's not like he can really hear too much. At least that's the thing is she's doing all this, Jacqueline's doing all this, and the win- the blinds are open in the office, which is something to remember, I think. I'm like, why is she just like being all sensual in him with the stuff open and everything? But the door wasn't open, but then she still knew that Barry she knows Barry is standing there because she comes out and she's like, she's not at all surprised. She's like, how long have you been standing there? And he comes in there and they're talking and he, again, is, you know, just saying he could prove himself to her and she's like, cool, give me the advertisement or all the ideas you have tomorrow. So at the end of the day, he leaves and he's got like a little portfolio thing of his papers and everything he has and he's going to leave the building. But he doesn't leave the building. Instead, he goes down to the basement of the building. He heads into the basement and he's trying to find someone. And we find out it is Paul Freeman. He is Alistair Touchstone. He's the guy who used to own the company and was overthrown or whatever by Jacqueline, I think. And so he's kind of crazy and down living in their basement. And he has hired Barry to kind of infiltrate the company. And so he's like, did you get the job? Did you get the job? You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, I got the job. So he has come up with this chip that has like a little buzzer on it that makes like vibrating like noise. Now you! Where are you going, mate? You do that again, I'm going to smash your face! How'd you go to You get the job! She bought it. <laughs> Just like you said she would. And you know why she bought it? Because that's exactly what she said to me when I hired her. I can believe it. I'm not surprised she stole your company away from you, Alistair. That's Mr. Touchstone to you. You see this little microchip? This creates a sound wave that permeates the subconscious, opening the mind power of suggestion of a particular advertisement so he has this chip and he wants that to be like the presentation that barry's going to give the next day which as a company you'd be like wow he did all this in one night but it's like no he's you know i guess they were like oh he's probably had this project for a while or whatever for product but it's supposed to like open your mind to the power of suggestion and so he tells barry he's like you know how you told me you were afraid of rats and he's like yeah and then all of a sudden he hits the chip on it and then Daniel Craig's character Barry is like freaking out because he sees rats on himself and he really hates him. He's like really screaming. 
and like running around and like starting to take his clothes off, like he's taking his pants off and his jacket and everything. And then the guy turns the chip off. It's also implied too that he got him out of prison or like he doesn't want to go back to prison. That's where Barry came from. Or like that's, I guess he was looking for something to make some money out of prison. So now it cuts to the next day back at the building. And now Frank and Jacqueline are in her office. She's wearing the opposite outfit today, which Frank's still just in like a suit. But she was wearing a white skirt with a black shirt and black tights yesterday. And then now she's wearing white tights with a white shirt and a black skirt. So it's kind of fun. She's just lounging on her one of her chairs. She's got some comfy furniture. There's a random bowl of lemons just sitting on her tape on her coffee table, which is weird. Because there's like some awards and there's like a pen, like a giant pencil, like a fat pencil. It looks like a bunch of awards. But then there's, I don't think it's an award. It's just a random bowl of lemons. Which is odd, because it's not like you're just going to reach over and grab a lemon and eat it. I can see if it was like little clementines or something, but it's like, okay, so there's a bowl of lemons and they're sitting there talking and then Barry comes rushing and he's wearing the same exact outfit he was wearing yesterday. No one cares. No one is asking any questions. He's got the, the tennis shoes with the jeans and a tucked in white shirt and a leather jacket. And he cuts in to the media or to them talking. He's like, hey, I finished my presentation. I want to tell you guys about it. There's also a bunch of stuff on the coffee table. I think they're trying to like pitch different ads or something for different products. And so here's a part and I'm going to play the clip of it. And it sounds really odd when you're not watching it. But this is the part where he does the presentation and he you really get to see the effect of this chip. And it's really silly. It starts out with chocolate. So he wants them to like chocolate. They're immediately like, oh my God, chocolate. And they're eating chocolate. <laughs> and then it skips to soda, I think. So then they immediately start like drinking soda. And they're like, yeah, soda. And you can hear the like buzzing of the chip. And he tells them it's a chip, like he's showing it to them. And they're just immediately like, it's not even just liking something. Like they're rubbing it all over themselves almost as he's showing them the different advertisements for products. So yeah, so it's chocolate and then soda and then it's lipstick. And at that point, Frank is even put, like trying to like put on the, I think he tries to put on the lipstick. Yeah, so Frank's trying to put on the lipstick as well. And then it's condoms. And that's where it gets, it's not even just like, yeah, we like condoms. And they start making balloon animals or something. It's like, they are going to do it right here. But it's like aggressive. She's like spanking him almost and everything. And they're like saying like mean things to each other. And it's just really aggressive. And so it really skyrockets. And that's the whole presentation before they can do anything. Uh, he cuts off the chip. So again, I'll play the I'll play the clip. It's kind of strange. It goes chocolate, soda, lipstick, condoms. What do you think? What is this? A joke? Frankly, I, I don't think a little friend does jokes. I don't think he's does much of anything at all. This is your idea of genius. <laughs> I took the liberty of uh, trying this out on a few of our other clients' products. And this product. Take off your fucking 
crap. You understand? It's crap. Do you think it's crap? Christ! I think it's brilliant. The chip presentation is very silly. It's also a question of why isn't Barry affected? And so as soon as that's over, Frank is like kind of bewildered that this even happened. He's mad. Jacqueline thinks it's a hoot. She's like kind of turned on and she's got lipstick on her face. She has some chocolate, some soda. She's like, woo, this is great. I love this. They pitch it to Ellen, the woman they were talking to earlier at the meeting. And Ellen and Jacqueline, they're sitting outside of the car, in a car. Barry, Ellen, and Jacqueline. And they're like pointing the chip at people outside, making them eat chocolate. Jacqueline and Ellen are eating chocolate in the car as well. Now, they're not as frantic as the people outside who really want the chocolate. They're just casually eating it. Barry's still not affected. So, you know, he's had a day or whatever, and he did the presentation. Everyone likes it. So he goes back down to the basement to meet up with Alistair, and he's like, hey, it's working out. And so then even Barry is like, why isn't this chip working on me? And then he goes, well, you don't really like chocolate. That doesn't mean anything. I doubt Frank likes lipstick. Not saying he couldn't, but like the fact that he was that affected by the putting the lipstick on. Also, I mean, how do you not like chocolate like a little bit? Anyway, like he also didn't like the soda. He didn't like, he wasn't affected by the condom thing. Like, I don't understand how it still didn't affect him. It just heightens their behavior. And he's like, okay, whatever. So then it goes back, I think later that day, I guess it's been a real busy day. Frank ends up getting let off the case or let off the project which he's mad about because he's been working on it for months, if not longer. And I was like, yeah, that is kind of crap. This guy's been here for like a day. And he shows him this chip thing and now this guy's gone. And Jacqueline's like, yep, he's my new guy or whatever. So Frank's all mad and he leaves. Barry and Jacqueline like start making out. Now they're a thing. She's moved on real quick. He's, he doesn't care. They're like on top of the meeting table. And she's like, well, let's go back to my place. And it's like end of the day. So no one else is really around but the three of them, I think. And somehow, which doesn't make sense, because I would think you'd have to have the other end on. And maybe they did, and I just didn't see it or they didn't show it. But what Barry does is while he's making out with Jacqueline on top of the meeting table or whatever, her desk, he hits the conference call button on the phone. So then the other phone in Frank's office turns on and he can hear it. And so then it shows Frank getting mad and he goes over and reaches for, I think, just like a letter opener, which that's got to suck to get stabbed by one of those. That's not even like super sharp or anything. And so then it cuts to Jacqueline. She's getting ready to leave. She's going to go home with Barry. They're going to do what they do. And Frank's kind of standing out the office at the office there looking and angry with his um, letter opener. But then I think he might have been playing the chip, too. So then it was kind of like Frank was supposed to maybe play on that anger. But then it's implied that Frank doesn't want to kill her. So he changes his mind because he really just isn't like that. Actually, it might even just be a nail filer. He puts the little nail filer or whatever down. Yeah. So Barry's standing in the, in the wings of like the office area trying to do the chip and it's not working. And Frank's just like, nope, killing's not in my nature. And so he takes the little nail filer or whatever he's got and puts it in the pot, a potted plant and leaves. And so Barry's like, crap, I'm going to have to do this and just like frame Frank or something. And so he's like, hey, I have a message from your ex-partner. He comes in there with the knife and tells her about Alistair. She still just has this great look. Jacqueline does. She's like, oh, yeah, okay, uh-huh. Like, she's arching her eyebrow. Daniel Craig comes running at her. And then they shoot from, like, outside the window. And then you just hear, like, screaming. So you don't really know quite what happened. So then Barry goes back downstairs, meets up with Alistair, and he's got blood on him. Barry does. And Alistair's like, oh no, um, what are the police going to think when they find you? And Barry's all mad and running at Alistair and he's going to kill him. And then out of the corner, down in the basement, a gun comes out. 
And that's when Frank is there. So Frank is on to them. And he comes out and he puts the gun to Barry's head. And he's like, you're going to go back to prison. And <laughs> Barry's like, like heck I am. I'm not going back to prison. So Barry goes to leave the building. And it's nighttime and there's all these police lights and everything. So they're like on to him. So he's panicked. He runs back into the building. He runs up to the office and he's like freaking out. And these cops are after him and everything. You can see them coming in the office. He's got the little nail file. So he decides to jump out the window because that's, that's going to work. So these windows are kind of weird. They just, they have like a little handle. And they just like swing open, I guess, to like provide airflow or something. But they just swing right open. No protective stuff whatsoever. And so he steps up into the window as the cops are closing in and he jumps. And it's not super high. I think it's high enough that it kills him. He lands on a car. Yeah, I don't think it kills him. Yeah, because he's only like a couple stories. Like, he's not that high up. But he lands on a car and it like knocks him out or whatever. And so then next out of the darkness comes up to him is Frank, Jacqueline, and Ellen. And they walk up to him as well as Alistair. And they're all standing there like, that was a lovely presentation. Like this, the ending just kind of like happens out of nowhere. You just find out real quickly at the very end. Everyone is in on it. Let's kill Jacqueline. Not exactly. Oh my God. You did it. No. You did it. Well, that's what the police will think when they find you. Come here! Actually... The police won't think that at all. They think you killed Jacqueline, which of course is exactly what you did. Looks like you're going back to prison after all. Back! silent version is much more powerful much more powerful he took every suggestion we gave him what did he say something about the police i think barry there are no police it's all in your mind hmm. that's easy for him to say more importantly what does ellen think is our most demanding client happy that was the most amazing presentation I've ever seen. And the account is still yours. Ah, let's celebrate with a drink. Yes, yes, yes. So basically, Barry was the presentation. The chip he had wasn't real. They implied that the other chip was silent. And so Barry was really the one who was being persuaded. The other people were just acting. That's one reason why I think she left those blinds open so he could see and just like other stuff like that. Everyone was in on it. Because there were actually no cops. That was all hallucinated. He didn't see, there were no cops there. They were just using him to do their dirty work. Alistair was doing a presentation for Ellen, the client, and Ellen was like, great, sounds good, let's do it. So that's it. And yeah, so Jacqueline is alive. They're all alive. It, Barry, I think, is alive. Oh, he's not really moving. I guess they were making it seem like he killed her. He had blood on him, unless he was just, he might have just been seeing that himself. 
But it's like, I don't know how they would have stopped Barry from attacking her suddenly. So I'm not sure how that all worked with him attacking Jacqueline. But it's okay. Just let that part go. The four of them afterwards, Alistair, Frank, Ellen, and Jacqueline are like, hey, let's go get some to eat or something like that. I don't know. Let's go hang out. That was great. And they just like leave him there on top of the car. That's the end of the episode. It's kind of a weird one because it's like this big buildup of all kinds of stuff. And then you just find out they're all in on it, which is kind of fun, really, if you think about it, because the fact that Barry was being so tricked and all the stuff that was happening was fake. But that also means that one scene where they were at presentation was fake. I don't know. It's just kind of crazy, but the acting was fun and the, and the plot's weird and it does feel very Tales from the Crypt. So that was the end of season seven, episode nine, Smoke Rings. It cuts back to the Crypt Keeper. He is still the Crypt Father or whatever, the Godfather. <laughs> crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... I guess Barry didn't realize the ad campaign would be his. Still, it's good to see that he's grown into the job. <laughs> so, everyone agrees to the truce, except you. You know what that means, don't you? It means I have to kill you. Take that! That's why they call me the author. You can't refuse. <laughs> there is no IMDb trivia for this episode. The next episode is season seven, episode 10 about face. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening to this episode. If you'd like to follow the podcast, you can do so at, on Facebook. You can do so on Twitter at Gek Podcast. That's at G-E-K Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. That's the underscore Gek underscore podcast. You can follow Gus the Podcat at, on Instagram at a sweet cat named Gus. You can also email me at goodeveningpod at gmail.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes or I guess Apple Podcast or Podcast Republic or Facebook, and I'll read it on the podcast. Anyway, thank you all so much for supporting me, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye! I just had quite a scare. I actually thought my heart...